0: coming up on the i5 traffic report we're talking spring football with shane hoffman as well as um, dylan brooks in the nba succession and barry and what we're working on remember to check us out i5corridor.com let's go Hey, happy Monday, everyone, and welcome back to the i5 Corridor's Traffic Report. Tyson Algert here, joined by Shane Hoffman. Shane, it's uh, it's April twenty fourth. You're still wearing the rock and like the full fleece, like that's that's kind of been the spring, huh?
1: Yeah, yeah. We don't um, we we keep it around sixty six in the house. And once I get moving, I get warm. But if I wake up most mornings, I'm eating breakfast. And I'm straight to my laptop, and so I'm feeling a little chilly still. I just got a haircut, so the back of my head's a little, uh, little chilly as well. So you know, a little Columbia fleece today, but hopefully by the end of this week, it'll be shorts.
0: So, so here's a question: You're going on, let's say, like six months in Portland now? Um, Not even close. I know, but I'm, I'm, I'm kind of like incorporating like your summer that you had last. Time. Okay, like, yeah. Like you've yes, gotten a feel yes. for the place where are you on comfort level with your barber? Cause that's, that's, that's a tough thing. You know, mm-hmm. you're, in a new city. Uh, you're at an age where you need to impress people, Shane. I mean, like your hair is important to you. Um, and I know this yeah. because mine's starting to fall out. So just, just take me through your process.
1: No, that's a great question. So last summer, you know, I ended up having to go down to Eugene quite a bit still. And so I timed it and I just kept going to my guy there who I had a great rapport with. So that was a little sad when I realized that there's no reason for me to keep going down to Eugene. So I found a new place up here. and My roommate recommended Um, pretty solid, pretty solid. I'm not going to lie. I don't quite have that rapport yet, but he's given me two good haircuts. Um, It's a pretty cool place. They give you like a shot or a beer after your haircut, if you'd like, Um, as they should. It's a $50 haircut, but you know that's, that's the thing that I've never quite
0: been able to get over is that the overall price of a haircut. Mm -hmm. And, and I know, and I know it's, you know, women are out there being like $50 for a haircut, like check this out, but, um, it's a little steep and, you know, I don't think there's enough discussion about like those couple awkward first couple cuts as like, you're getting that rapport. I mean, it's somebody's new hands running through your hair and, um, you know, it's just, there's, there's a lot of trust factor there, but not only that, they're not going to cut you, but that you're going to have better conversations than you have those first few times.
1: Well, see, he, he's an NBA fan. So we've been able to yeah, chop that it helps. up a few times because the first time I went in, the Lakers had just made their trade deadline deals and he's a Lakers fan. He's from LA and now it's NBA playoffs. And I went the other day and, but you know, he's given me these, these tapers and he's fading stuff out and, and whatnot. You can't see it all here on the zoom, obviously. And anyone listening can't see it at all but uh it's you know it takes some work so you know it's worth it to me in the end
0: so we're we're going to get more into NBA playoffs here shortly but uh first I want to jump into you went to Oregon State spring game on Saturday um you had a story up on the corridor I think it's pretty safe to say the theme of everybody's kind of reporting from that game is Aiden Childs might be pretty good down the road for them but you know it's I, I just think Oregon State's in a really interesting spot right now. You know they got that stadium almost done. They have probably the biggest name transfer in football this year in DJ Uyagalele. Uh, so don't quote me on that pronunciation, but I think I was actually close. Um, and as as you wrote, it was just kind of like uh, more Oregon State defense that stole the show there. Like what, what what was kind of like your general takeaway outside of like what you ended up reporting? Like it, was it. Did did it seem like things were ramping up? Did it seem like this is a, a team that's very confident in what they're doing? Like, what what were the
1: vibes out in Corvallis? You know, it's weird. It 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 seemed, even by spring standards, at times a little sloppy. A lot of drop passes. You know, not some not huge plays like we always like we saw with the Oregon spring game last year. I mean, I also get the sense that they couldn't care less because yeah. they had a lot of guys on ice. They're keeping guys healthy. I don't even think Damien. You know, I, I wasn't paying. 100% attention to every snap. I don't even think Damian Martinez played. I think there's a few other impact starters that didn't play. Um, the quarterbacks thing is super interesting because they kind of pulled a uh, Oregon and didn't let us talk to any of the three afterwards. Um, but they have, they have uh, DJ who, you know, on paper should be the starter because he's the most highly touted guy. He's had the most experience in big games. And he's just the biggest. He's huge.
0: He has like the only experience in. I I guess. I guess Golbranson has a couple games for his belt
1: now. But and then you've got Goldbrunson who I think people. It's weird now, like now that we're here in the off season, people are starting to act like, oh, he's eight and one last year. He had some moments like he was a liability. Let's just say how it is. I don't understand the change in perspective around him. Like he looks better now, but he was a liability last year and they just won in spite of him, not because of him. But then you have Childs who might just be the most talented of the three, honestly. So it's it's quite the interesting dynamic. And it, it, you know, I have no idea where it's going to go because it does seem like Smith doesn't care who he starts. I... I, I think I just get
0: down into, like, you and I were texting about this a couple of days ago of, like, I think specifically for this year, DJ makes a ton of sense just because, as you were saying, like, that guy's going to be a bear on, like, third and short, like, fourth and short situations just because of, I mean, he's he's, he's a a quarterback unlike Oregon State's had before just in his body type and, and kind of, like, what he can do with the football. Like, I, I think he's going to be a pretty darn court, good quarterback if they want to kind of continue that ground and pound style of football while still having the ability to make five-star athletic plays like when you can, like, I I think there's a lot of people who look at the roster and say like this defense is losing a lot of players from last year's team. Like how can Oregon state like regroup from that? But as you wrote uh, on Saturday, like, this is a group that's just kind of fundamentally having a sound defense now. That's kind of just part of like Oregon State's like mo. Like it, you just it, trust it, seems, it. Yeah, yeah. It, it it seems like they they can have some options with what they want to do offensively because if they're keeping opponents to pretty low scoring games, like they can they can attack. They can they can play conservative. Like it, it's just going to be fun to see what Jonathan Smith can do. Jonathan Smith can do with some options this year.
1: Mm-hmm. Are we? Is this podcast clean? Or are we swearing on it? What's the vibe right now with that? um what's uh what's
0: the warrant level of the upcoming swear word okay
1: you know we can go without it I just my biggest takeaway from the spring game was that (laughs) this team is going to be a effing pain to play in November because they couldn't really run it against their defense and we know what that run game has been able to do against everybody in the pack 12 the past few years they have three really solid running backs um, they, again, they, they lose one guy on the offensive line, but he was someone who the, the, the starter hopping in for him had also started for parts of last year. So essentially get five starters back there. And then it's like, yeah, if you think about it, if it is DJ and they can get any design run going, it's like, like they might not, you know, on paper, they're not going to have the highest, um, you know, biggest names, the most highly touted, you know, NFL, uh, draft guys with, with buzz. Um, or the biggest maybe marquee kind of feel surrounding them but when they come in and it's like oh you check the schedule it's like oh crap we got we got the beeves tonight at 7 30 yeah and then we've got you know our next three games are a gauntlet too it's like holy hell man it's gonna suck to have to play them yeah they're
0: they're absolutely a team um i know i wrote back in january they were my uh my prediction to make the playoff i gonna say probably 80 chance that that prediction doesn't come true but like mm. you said like they are and, and granted i don't have their schedule right in front of me but that you know of the like the usc washington oregon utah like they're gonna beat a couple of those teams like they're gonna be a huge thorn in people's side if they aren't you know at that elite level that i think that they could get to best case scenario this year like i mm-hmm. um yeah, as you said, the 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 beeves are a bear bear to play this year. Um,
1: well, it's interesting, too, because when you compare them with the other kind of quote-unquote contenders at the top of the Pac-12, all those teams are like, oh, we're good at quarterback. But then there's like USC's offensive line is still not amazing. Oregon's defense is still not amazing. Uh, you know, Washington's defense, for that matter, wasn't amazing last year, and they didn't run the ball very well. Um, who am I forgetting here? Uh, uh, Utah... Utah's had injuries. They've been a weird team yeah. for a few years now, and they Dude, you know, they still might end up there then. But it's just like Oregon State, you know with them what you're getting with that defense probably in the run game. That's like if the quarterback works out, then you're like, hey, there we go. Dude, that that's why I have no
0: idea what to expect from the Ducks this year because this, this has been a weird spring. And granted, you know, I, I haven't been at spring every day, but granted, they don't really give you enough to make it worth it to go down there to be at spring every day um but you know there's been a lot of talk about how the defense this year is going to be quicker more flexible um you know i'm not going to tell
1: you it's less flexible and yeah
0: yeah um but you know like guys like noah sewell last year who just kind of looked a little stiff and slow within that defensive scheme um i think they're just trying to be a little bit more versatile than that even in pass coverage and that sort of thing but like not we're not going to be able to tell any of that until actually like games games happen and so like going into this spring game for the Ducks, like I don't really care what Bo Nix does because we know what Bo Nix can do. I don't care what Bucky Irving does because we know what Bucky Irving can do. Um, this is a retooled offensive line. You're not gonna really get a good sample of offensive line play from spring, you know, from the... So it's just like, I, I'm i trying to think of like, what's the biggest thing to watch going into Saturday at Autzen and
1: it's... It's an impossible question because even last year, DJ Johnson had like four sacks and the pass rush looked great, despite, you know, you know, the offense having some big plays. And then their pass rush was just abysmal. And uh, and and you and I were going back through the
0: memory lane of uh, bad takes. Uh, I think I wrote heavy on Dante Thornton after the spring game last year. Well, which, yeah, which, which by the up. way, I think Dante Thornton's still gonna be a good football player. It's just not gonna happen in Eugene.
1: Um Yeah, the thing about spring games is they're supposed to serve as this check checkpoint where you answer a few questions you've had throughout the spring and actually it doesn't do anything except leave you with more questions because it's impossible to know what to glean from it
0: well it's it's just crazy because um you wrote this in your story about how it was a pretty good crowd for Oregon state they had maybe five six thousand people there which you know isn't you know comparable to what they usually get in eugene or this year in, in colorado but like that's really good progress for Oregon state especially when you have a half-built stadium and, um you know, those sort of X factors. But I was I was looking back through it, and, like, 20 years ago, people, like, <laughs> if there were podcasts, there weren't going to be spring game podcasts. Like, it, it it wasn't this big of a thing up until, like, relatively recently, within, like, the ten, last 10, 15 years or so. Like, I was even, like, looking at organs and – in 20 uh in 2010 they set a new spring game record for Oatsen with 25,000 and that was coming off mm-hmm. of their Rose Bowl win season then the next year after they went, went to the national championship that's when it skyrocketed to like 40,000 and that's what it's kind of seemed like it's hovered at for like the last you know with with dips you know between 30 to 40,000 for like the last 10 years or so but up until the chip era like this wasn't like some huge ga- like annual game that like was like guaranteed attendance every year like it's it's just really turned into like a bit of a momentum thing like if you have a really good team and people want to like welcome the team back and kind of see them but it's it's now it's just such a recruiting thing like that's that's all all the coaches are kind of tweeting about and uh just about every other website that's been the crux of their coverage for the last couple weeks is just like who's going to be on the spring game list like that really kind of started to blow up under crystal ball when they went all out to bring uh to try to get dju to land in eugene even though he's now in Corvallis
1: so um well and a little little, a little secret about attendance having just you know finished up at Oregon (laughs) if you uh if it happens to fall on a sunny day you know the the student body will more than likely see you know a 50 to 60 percent bump as soon as I got off the highway to go park I just see this massive orange of just drunk students in the sun (laughs) over there I mean it was a nice and everyone even you know, all the adults, you grabbed a beer, you know, there's there's sun coming down. It was it was a nice I yeah. didn't grab one, but, you know, it was a nice vibe for everyone there. Oregon State.
0: And then um, so you went you went to Corvallis. I went to the Portland State spring game uh, on Friday in Hillsboro, And those had to have been the first two like non rainy windows of day. Uh, right. maybe this entire back-to-back days, maybe this entire spring.
1: And it looks like got, Oregon's like, going to
0: get a beauty of a day next Knock week. on wood, man. Like I'm looking at it. It's like saying 75 and sunny. Like that would be like, I, I, I was stoked at the spring. It's so that, nice that I don't, I, I have no like interest 60. in yeah. even going yeah, into like, the game. <laughs> yeah. Like, like, I hope, I, yeah, I hope you guys are all enjoying this podcast because I, I'm, I'm just going to be in short sleeves on the top of Watson, like baking like a rotisserie chicken <laughs> like, oh, yeah. i don't want to i don't want to write after that thing they're uh um yeah i don't know it's i i like the spring game last year i particularly liked the spring game i i think i wrote because that was the first one that they had post pandemic with fans and it was just kind of like mm. this feels this feels good but i i think um it'll be interesting to just to see what the over like Fan reception and expectations are out of this team now, now that it's landing second year. Now that there's, you know, you don't have like that, you know, like let's give them a little leeway because it's their first year as a staff. Like it's, uh, it's go time, especially with a roster that, uh, I think, oh no, sorry, I'm, I'm making things up here. I saw, I saw a thing today that said Colorado currently has 30 players right, from right. its, from its roster last year, but like Oregon's, Oregon's not far off of that. I mean, they've no. had a ton of switchover, So I think if you are the types that really wants to see what kind of the depth looks like, like there will always be that in the spring game will be stuff to watch. But, um, I don't think we're going to be able to tell if the ducks are going to be a top level or bottom level contenders based out of this game.
1: Yeah. And, uh, it'll be cool to see you know, what a defensive starter inevitably gets, you know, 10 plus tackles, (laughs) right? He's just playing a little harder than other guys. And then there's, you know, 15 stories about him in the next month. And then he turns out to not even, you know, have a big role next year. So that's what I'm looking forward to.
0: Um, were you at Oregon during the Dylan Brooks era or was that before your time?
1: So, uh, it was right. It was the, like the year before my time, because when I came and visited campus, um, I think, yeah, the first time I went to Oregon's campus, it was a nice day in the spring and we were driving by kind of that, that little area, um, right. That, that, that street, uh, is it Villard right off of mm-hmm. Matt Knight? And I just, we, we saw Dylan Brooks walking and I was like, dad, dad, d- Dylan Brooks. And that's, he, he claims now that's when he knew, he knew I was going to Oregon. <laughs> Cause he doesn't care about basketball. He didn't know who that was. Um, but no, he, yeah, I didn't overlap. And, um, it's kind of a joke right now. I'm not going to lie. I, I, That's my <laughs> thought on it. I just think what he's doing is ridiculous. It's it's funny because having covered his entire Oregon
0: career, none of what he's become in the NBA, like this WWE type of heel, has really surprised me. I mean, like I remember, I remember covering his very first game at Oregon when he was 17. He had reclassified. Um, so he was like the youngest guy on the court. He was pretty highly recruited at the the um age he was supposed to go at but now he was like he's younger he was still a little pudgy then he's undersized and he got mm-hmm. he didn't get too he weird. he always him. had a
1: weird build too
0: yeah yeah like they used to call him t-rex in practice because he's got short arms um but he always just kind of had that like i don't give a shit what you think about me like i'm gonna like i'm gonna amp myself up and i and i do think i do think some of like playing the villain thing is just his way of like getting him hyped and excited. And you saw that work at Oregon, especially at the college level where, Hey, like sometimes in college, you just need a guy who thinks he can make that shot, you know, like, <laughs> and it, at college Brooks was able to do that a ton, but
1: at the NBA where, uh, he you can't, back, our, it he can't yeah, back it up. You can't even remotely back it up. wise, And then to come out and say the media and the fans are making me a villain was just a, just a joke, man. Yeah. It was, a uh, and, and like, you know, I've I've seen some
0: people kind of do some like revisionist history of like, um, you know, maybe maybe we all should have sided with Coach K back in that Duke,
1: Brooke, yeah. uh, Brooks
0: argument that you know, like Coach K was being a dick back, like Brooks was fine back then, but mm-hmm. like like this stuff is just like some sometimes Dylan, you just gotta realize you're guarding LeBron and you just gotta shut up, man. <laughs> like, and I, and
1: I and I get that he thinks that like what he's doing needs to be synonymous with his role as a really good defender, because he is a really good defender. And like Doris Burke was lighting into him on the broadcast. They're no, not lying, is. but I mean, she was, you know, and well, she's well, right. Well,
0: well, well, she's like, he's he's not uh, physically impressive. Well, yeah, uh, he he's can't like,
1: shoot. He essentially. <laughs> and he's a good defender, but, you know, right. So you want that kind of bulldog mentality, but what he's doing is actually kind of almost, I feel like rendering his... His abilities on defense mute just because he's just he's become such a character that i don't even know it's almost like guys are more motivated to go at him now like he like he it's like an, like there's no intimidation factor really because he's 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 laughable now
0: well it's like you could you could compare him to like draymond um because that's the guy who dylan wanted to like pattern his game after and i think a lot of people also look and be like oh like he's not that talented offensively and he's loud like draymond green but the thing with Draymond is like this guy's been a like uh um defensive player of the year. He has four rings. Like he actually like as much as I dislike Draymond Green and hearing him talk and talk shit and all this stuff, like the guy has a resume. Like he does know how to play winning basketball. Brooks knew how to play winning basketball in college, but the only reason like Memphis has turned into the team that they have over the last couple of years is because of a guy named John Morant. Like it's it's not it's uh is is just fascinating and so I think that like I don't I don't think that Brooks gets ejected for that LeBron dick punch from a couple of games ago if he hadn't been talking in the lead up to that like I didn't think like well, there's Mavis like that, there's that, like yeah.
1: Yeah, there's like three guys in the league, him, Pat Bev and Draymond, maybe someone else Where it's like if they do it it people made a big deal about how um with Draymond's suspension there was like you know his prior uh incidents were taken into account and that like shouldn't happen, I totally disagree because it's way easier to look at it and be like, oh, that was obviously on purpose and malicious because you've done it before. And I felt the same way about Dylan Brooks, like he deserved to get kicked out. That's BS in my opinion. Yeah. Um, But that's enough about him. We're giving him too much time yeah. a day. It, it,
0: it's, it's just, yeah, it's just one of those things of like, you can't like hold your arms out and be like, how does this keep happening to me as you're the one? It it's time actually
1: time getting day. to the point where he, he sounds delusional in his quotes. <laughs> So, so uh so i i do well, want to
0: transition out of that though into right right yeah uh would you want draymond green on portland because no. i like I, I don't i wouldn't either and that's kind of like the court shit. i don't know if it's a court shit, but you kind of see him and dame be a little chummy with each other and um i know i know like there's this desperation in portland of like you got to get somebody but like
1: it looks draymond, like it might be mikhail but, bridges yeah a lot of smoke there deep. And he and he was just uh, Dame flew out to to watch him play, and there it was a video that. of Mikhail dancing and some some house party they were at. What well, I was gonna Dude. what I was gonna ask you is, what have you been enjoying about the NBA playoffs, and how does it uh, change your mind about the state, or or not change your mind about the state of the Blazers moving forward?
0: Um, man, it's just I I used to be a staunch hockey playoffs purist of like there is no sport that the intensity ratchets up more than the nhl playoffs and i while i still agree with that just w- like the nba playoffs and watching how steer compared to the regular season and just watching how serious every possession is especially like in the half court game and uh where defenses and matchups and pick and rolls and like everything is that much more magnified the thing that i've come away watching the playoffs is just like the blazers are so much further away than just like one superstar like piece edition like you know, I, I do like, you know, some of the auxiliary stuff that they have, but like the Blazers have no depth and like all of these teams that like are going to have a chance in this NBA playoffs, even though there's not like one superstar team this year. It's not like this is like the Warriors dynasty where you all know who's like going to win the playoffs before it goes in. But like even a team like the Lakers, which looked so thin, maybe at the start of the year, they were able to kind of reconstruct and add players like. Like where the hell did Austin Reeves come from? <laughs> you, know, you know, like just just some of these these um
1: it's it's uh, easier to add around the fringes like that though. Yeah when you have the two the like the LeBron and the uh, A. Absolutely, absolutely. And 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 Portland has never had that. That wasn't CJ. It was it's Dame. But so so here's the problem for me, because I totally you what you're saying is say it's Mikhail Bridges, hypothetically. I don't know if any of the rumors are true. Whatever. Say it's McHale. Say they keep the rest of the roster they have intact. So it would probably be, it's probably, you know, what would that trade look like? That's probably Ant Simons, some other cap filler, and like four first rounders. Or, you know, maybe they have to throw in another player too. But you get that, and then you still have the same damn problem where you don't have depth it's like, yeah, the starting lineup might look nice because you have some defensive versatility now, this and that. Look at what's happening with Phoenix. If you listen to and read the national discourse surrounding Phoenix, they're up 3-1 now. And despite them being up 3-1, and granted, there's been injury stuff with the Clippers and everything. They're actually, they have people now doubting them more because they don't have depth. And it's been kind of, it's rearing its ugly head now. Um, in a series where now you know Westbrook led Clippers have been playing them close in every game, and that would be the Blazers if they went all in. So it's just like I have no idea what they do.
0: That that's the tough thing for the Blazers too is just the NBA playoffs are such a marathon. I mean it's it's two months of intense basketball, and Portland superstar is starting to age. Like Dame's coming off his best season ever. Like like don't get don't get me twisted there, but he's you know not everybody's LeBron. Not everyone's going to be able to play at that level until you're damn near 40 like at at some point and we've seen over the last couple years dame's playing less games than he used to um this all i don't know it's just portland's luck feels like it's finally going to be a team that builds around dame and then he's going to get hurt in the playoffs or something like that it just just seems like you're still there's such a small window for things to work for this era to get kind of the ultimate cookie that it's it's desired
1: Mm -hmm. yeah And,
0: and i think that's tough because like I hate the NBA in that like you have to you know what's everyone know Charles Barkley for he didn't want a title or you know like like those kind of titles and it's just like you know the Dame era has been probably outside of you know maybe two or three stretches in Blazers history the most enter- entertainment Portland basketballs had just based on pure watching this superstar play standpoint but you know it, it'd be nice if you were able to uh, uh get past uh i guess they made the western conference finals that one year but that was kind of eh.
1: i don't know about that i that's that's like that when the hawks made their eastern conference finals what three two three years ago now and it's like you would just immediately think that that's now the type of team you are and it's just not true it's so, the same thing with the mavs last year uh cap restrictions be
0: damned who would you like most as like a superstar reclamation project in portland you want to get on like the zion train oh hell yeah yeah that, that would be so fun
1: <laughs> oh hell yeah no absolutely zion um and he he would work with dame yeah that no yeah zion i don't see him beat happening people have like whispered about that that makes no sense to me i had a friend I mean, granted, we were sitting in a bar drinking beer, but he's like, "What if you know? What about Claxton and McHilbert? Is it's like, what are you giving up for that?" Yeah, Um, they're off in fairyland. I'm gonna go and I'm gonna go to the Blazers bar for the lottery and and write a story on what that's like because I think that'll be extremely entertaining. Um, but this feels like a big lottery for the Blazers um, because it's essentially get the first pick or it doesn't matter because we're trading it so. Yeah, that'll end the discourse pretty swiftly if they land anywhere between, you know, probably two or three and seven of, okay, well, we're not actually getting a player that we're going to use um, unless Cronin yet again goes back on what he's kind of already said.
0: Just just, just fair warning, I-5 quarter fans, like if the Blazers get Webb and Yama in the draft and the number one pick, like for financial purposes, I'm probably going to have to go all in on just covering the Blazers next year. Um because we, we have to be able to cover those first two months before he breaks his foot. And then.
1: Right. Yes. <laughs> so that's, like that's the, the, Port, the Portland boring.
0: big man curse. Yeah. Um, what else were we going to. Did you did you watch? Did you do some TV watching last night, Shane?
1: Yeah. And I think. Am I, sk- well, am I, I skipping
0: anything like... here before we get to the good stuff? Say again. I said, am I skipping anything here before we get to? No, I don't
1: think you are. I was just thinking. So this was the second week of both Barry and Succession, right? Because it was two episodes of Barry last week. Correct. Yeah. Yeah. Okay. So, well, this was. I mean, I guess it's only it's it's one or the other. But this was my favorite week of the two, like that. Because I thought I don't I don't know if this is like dramatically the best episode of of the season for actually for a fact i know it's not because the, the the third one was so crazy but for succession like this is actually i think was the one i enjoyed the most weirdly like it's just like classic succession they get all the remaining characters all together in one area in a really cool area with these crazy views and you're just walking on pins and needle or sitting on pins and needles watching of like who's going to mess this up in what way I also like I really struggle with the whole business aspect of it, like when it gets into the kind of the the deeper cuts of what these things mean, because I'm like, are they doing well right now? Or are they not doing dude, well? Dude, like, that's that's my favorite thing about Succession
0: is I've watched every episode of this show. I've listened to like all like the, the Ringer podcasts, like the Prestige TV podcasts, the recaps, the precaps i still don't know like what the hell they're trying to do like from a no. business standpoint it but, doesn't th- matter. but it doesn't matter and like i don't really care either but they're able to write the drama into that of just like because you know the characters and their intentions and their relationships like you can just like pick up cues as to like is this good or is this bad but i thought the craziest thing last night was you know you uh i think i watched like two hours after it went so you have to like stay off twitter because people are jerks these days um which by the way Spoiler coming up, like mild spoiler, if if you have, who's listening to this show and anyways, uh, I get on Twitter after the show and like everyone's just writing about like how like, oh man, Shiv played them, like this was the Shiv episode, like Shiv wins, like I kind of think she got played a little, I think they all looked foolish last night too. That's
1: (laughs) that's, that's the problem, I don't actually like 100%, I don't know if I could actually 100% tell you what is going on? Like, 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 like I, th- they, I think,
0: I think the guy knew how to play the brothers off of each other, but they also, she also knew how to like play Shiv because she's removed from the two brothers right. and be able to make her, th- I don't know. Like it's, but then they're, they, all just, like, they're all just idiots is, is the end of the story.
1: <laughs> but then at the same time, they did get more money. Like they, they kind of got what they originally went in for.
0: Yeah, but they're but they're going to be screwed now though because if he actually owns this thing and he knows the two brothers were going to like be trying to get out as it as it was and they don't wanna, right like, right like I don't know it'll be it be that's what a, but that's
1: yeah. what I'm just I'm just saying the optics of the whole thing is just funny to watch because they're like they're like you know breaking over in champagne at the end of the right you know but um,
0: I I just I just thought it was such a. Awesome twist for them to kill Brian Cox's character off in like the second episode of the final season because
1: yeah we, we actually uh, haven't or at least I said third a second ago but it was the second one yeah sorry
0: yeah but just um you know I think anyone who w- watches the show they probably associate the main characters wait no it was the thing. third one
1: yeah the third they, they, they probably
0: associate like the main characters as like Jeremy Strong and Brian Cox mm-hmm. it's kind of like whichever orbit of those two and um yeah to kind of just like throw everything into flux here for these final like seven or eight episodes it's it's really good and i love the one two of like that which like succession as we talked about there's just so much dialogue there's so much writing it's like reading like a two thousand word story with no quotes it's just like all Mm -hmm. just all there and then you go to barry which god dang i love barry because it's like a quick 30 minute ride and it's tight and it's good like it's just hb hbl like you guys are crazy for dropping like the hbo name on the max thing because like this this is the peak of what good sunday night television should be when you have those two back to back
1: yeah um i wanted to say just because we hadn't talked about succession yet i before we go into Barry, the one thing i want to say about the brian cox episode that made it so good in my opinion um because i don't have the eye that a lot of these people have of like wow that's an yeah, that's an award-winning performance with this little thing, the face. Like, I get the sense of it, but like the thing that was just show worked so well in my eyes was like how much of it happened off-camera and how abrupt it felt. There wasn't a final; he didn't get his final say on anything. A, a big final, which is so uh, realistic ad- too. Like that's how right.
0: that's how things happen, and I think that's what makes the like that episode feel more real is because like there's it's chaos. Like it's you're still trying to like, you know, the the way that like uh, um. Kieran Culkin character, character like that whole episode is like, yeah, but like we don't know yet, like it's not for sure, like it, like it's just kind of like the the denial and grief and um, yeah, like that's that's just expert level television.
1: Yeah, yeah. Anyways, on Barry, this was my favorite of the three episodes so far with Barry because Barry had been getting really progressively darker for like probably like two seasons now, and Dude, it, start, it
0: started as a comedy, kind of right. Like, right. <laughs>
1: Yeah, and not that, that it's wrong to go that direction, because it still had funny moments and funny episodes, and it's not like it wasn't well done. But this episode kind of, like, and there was funny scenes in the first two of the season, but this one kind of got back to, like, I felt like all the big characters, like, had their own kind of things going for them in this episode. And on top of that, like, um, it just seems like it's getting... The the tone felt in a weird way, even though it was not like a super lighthearted episode of what happened. And it felt back to that kind of old Barry in a way. I, I, I was going to say, like,
0: you know, they build the tension in that episode because, you know, someone's going to be trying to do a hit on Barry. And so, like, there's a couple of scenes where he like he's in the yard or he's outside and you're like, oh, is it going to happen here? Um, and like, you just see him get kind of progressively crazier as the episode. I mean, like, you know, this guy is completely like unhinged at this point. And so, like, you start to kind of lose faith in him as a, I think earlier in maybe a couple seasons ago, you kind of almost view him as, like, he's this former Marine hitman. Like, he can handle himself, like, he, like, almost kind of like superhero style. And now, like, you've seen him just kind of, like, descend into madness. But then when he's in the scene and, like, he recognizes that Fred Armisen, he's just like, hey, that guy's here to kill me. <laughs> like, yeah, in the just, voice. <laughs> nope, he's actually, he's going to kill me. Yeah, no, no, that's, that's what he's here for. Like, that was... That was like the perfect mixture of berry scenes there because it's just like it's it's the the climax of like this relatively kind of serious part, but then it's just right. And then the guy blows his finger off. Yeah, and yeah. The, the, the pen gun explodes. All the
1: <laughs> in this ceiling. Yeah. <laughs> I thought, I thought that was I thought that was fantastic. Uh, and, uh,
0: between between that and then the episode before, where they have like the big meeting between like the oh uh, my god, my favorite the Dave, scene, the, they're circling Dave, the, at the Dave table, the Dave and Buster's. And oh my god, that was a
1: brilliantly done scene.
0: I, I was listening to a podcast with Bill Hader, and he's like, "We did just wrote this scene as like this scene," and then someone's like, it'd "Be kind of funny if it was in a Dave and Buster's." And, like, that's just, like, that was the only reason that they threw him. Well, and then you got,
1: like, NoHo Hank, like, circling a little faster to catch up and, like, perfectly, like, yeah. overlap with them. Oh, I, with the, the other thing, too, I, I have to ask you on this. Maybe I just wasn't paying enough attention or didn't get a reference, but Fuchs is, like, watching the movie in the jail. And then he's, like, it clicks for him that someone's going to come kill Barry. Can you explain that to me, how he figured that out? Did I miss something?
0: Uh, he, I think he called Hank. Yeah, he was on he was on the phone with Hank. You might have you might have missed like thirty seconds there. Because Oh, was, Fuchs
1: was also on the phone with Hank?
0: Yeah, so so Fuchs made a call to Hank on his cell phone and he was talking about how Barry was like becoming a problem and Hank was and Hank told him that like Barry's going to be handled by the end
1: of the Oh, day. right. Well, I guess I saw that. and I just It just felt like something different clicked for him when he was watching the movie that he was oh. like, okay, hey, now I'm going to go into action and spur and, and figure Shoot, something. Right.
0: Out. I, I forget what the movie was, but I think he said something like, that's us. It was like, a yeah, it's like Tom Cruise and. Yeah, it's, well, it's just funny because like, like everyone in that show was just like looking for like their place or like their mm-hmm. connection or like who's who's their actual like partner or like, you know. And Barry oscillates back and forth so often between, like, thinking that, like, it's going to be him and Fuchs because this is the person that raised them, And then he's also, like, so quick to just say, like, screw everything. Like, I'm going to go live with Sally, who seems like he- she's getting her things together again at this point.
1: So, mm-hmm. um, I guess circling back. I think I would know your answer on this question if it was around Barry. But with succession. I'll say this. I think this. This has potential to end up being the best season of succession, actually. Do you feel similarly?
0: Um I'm gonna have to see how it finishes out. Like I I thought the show had incredible tension when um Brian Cox's character still kinda had the leverage over kendall of like mm-hmm. knowing that he killed the guy and just kind of that's
1: got to come back up somehow that's got to resurface it it,
0: it it has to like the, like there's a couple of things that feel like they've gotten kind of swept under the rug a bit like remember kendall has a family like we haven't seen them in a couple couple seasons like i wondered about that um you know it it seems like kendall's just fascination of blowing things up is gonna like screw them at, at some point or, or whatever like they, they had a couple previews for you know next week's episode, and there's just like a couple quotes. We're like, you know, like Jeremy Strong. He gets the when he's playing Kendall. He gets that kind of like that like shit eating look in his eyes, like when the character is about to do like something that he thinks is really smart or or whatever, and it usually ends up imploding. But I can't I can't wait till there's like a tell all book about the years of filming that just because it seems like it seems like brian cox hates jeremy strong like like
1: because yeah (laughs) because
0: brian cox is like this super well-respected actor and he's got like this big role i mean this big resume and he just hates the whole method acting thing (laughs) Mm
1: -hmm. (laughs) yeah i just i just think like when i'm and maybe i'm caught up in it now because it's coming out and like i watched the first two and a half seasons basically like on demand because I, I didn't start the show until like early last fall. Um, but so maybe I'm just kind of swept up in the week to week. I'm like thinking about it more and like consuming it in a different way, but it just seems like this season so far has had everything. And if, I think if like, if they nail how this thing finishes, like even this episode, you get the, the, especially the way it starts, like the siblings kind of have their mojo back for some moments. Like it just, it seems like they're doing the whole wide range and you've gotten probably some of the best performances from the supporting Absolutely. actors and actresses in this season. So
0: it, um it, it really makes me appreciate the old the normal method of releasing a show week to week like you know I, I think people are finally like realizing that if it's a good show like you shouldn't be, like it shouldn't just be release all 20 episodes and have people watch it like that night like I I think I think that honestly there's too much uh money into doing it week to week between like the all the podcasts and talk and everything that pops up based out of these shows and this one really does have the feeling of and it wasn't an hbo show but i remember the last year of breaking bad when like because like breaking breaking bad wasn't actually super popular for its first first like three or four years and then people kind of started like watching some of the episodes like once it got into streaming and then it became like it was Usually, but I think it was by its last season was when it was like finally like this is oh my god, and I remember mm-hmm. watching. I had just moved to Portland, and me and a few people we went up to the Kiggins Theater in Vancouver, and they they every Sunday night they did the the final or they did I think like the final five episodes like in the theater and like people were like you'd get your tickets and popcorn and beer and it was it was like I I would love to do something for the last couple episodes of Succession like that just because it. I didn't get into game of thrones like that's not my genre so it feels like it's yeah been, i really
1: yeah i struggled to I, if twice now i tried to start it and i got all the way through the first i think third of the second season even the second time i tried it and i just i fell off the rails
0: like i'm not i'm not like a huge like fantasy genre and i'm also not like a huge like excessive like gory violence and, and...
1: do you did you watch the boys i did yeah <laughs> <laughs> so
0: yeah, I, that, that makes me a hypocrite because I love the boys.
1: <laughs> yeah, it's different. No, I, I feel you. I, I wouldn't even say it's that I'm, like the, the genre itself with Game of Thrones I'm less interested in. Maybe a little bit, but there's just so, it's just such a vast universe that I really just struggled night to night to keep my head on straight with what was happening and the different characters. And, um, you know, that's why I, I've been enjoying these, these two uh, shows we've got going right now so much because they've got just a really strong well-rounded cast and just kind of a handful of characters and it's very centralized of what's happening but the dialogue is just elite
0: i'll i'll give i'll give both the writing staffs props here because both of these shows were basically like cut by the pandemic like at their like peak like they were just kind of getting to like that like these are the like the the elite level show status and then it was like hey like let's stop filming for a year and a half and mm-hmm. it, it seems like both have picked up without i i, I do think the tone of barry is different post pandemic i think it's yeah. definitely more it's definitely embraced the the darker of things better but um yeah like it's i always get to this point too and then you're like man like both of these are ending like what am i going to watch and then and well then, but then severance is on, like
1: woo-hoo. i forget that was, well like, that's funny you mentioned severance because i hadn't even thought about severance and that's gonna be great but uh, there's a new True Detective season coming out. I, I, I haven't watched a single True
0: Detective. So that might, be, serious? That might be my summer homework to, to catch up on some of those. I'm
1: actually shocked to hear that. Um, watch the first season. That's probably... I didn't really get into the second and third ones. But the first one is fantastic. You have to watch that. And you can crank that out in a weekend if you play your cards right.
0: Um, on next week's podcast, we'll be uh, dissecting all eight of the Love is Blind episodes. No, <laughs> no, <not> to... <laughs> Uh, what, uh, you're not writing a whole lot for me this month, but, uh, what do you got, uh, what do you got in the oven that you're, uh, you're proud of to be working on this, uh, for, I mean, by, by the way, everyone Shane, you know, you, you see his byline on the corridor, he writes good stuff for us, but he's basically the, the lifeblood of the prep section for SB life in the Oregonian <laughs> at this point. I
1: don't know uh, about the lifeblood, but
0: yeah, but you're, you're cranking, you're cranking out some material and it's been, it's been fun to watch because you're there is a an old old method of you get out of school you go take a job in the middle of nowhere and just think that you're going to pay your dues and grind and someone will figure it out and that that works for some people but it's it's pretty impressive this uh, this little niche that you've carved out here cuz you're you're basically surviving full time as a freelancer right
1: yeah i would actually at this point i feel like i can take it one notch above surviving i Oh, look you know, so so lunch, not, is on
0: I, you, lunch is on you
1: today, is that right? Oh, it's been an expensive weekend driving <laughs> down to get that piece for you in Corvallis. Yeah. Um, no, I'm doing well. I'm And it's it's been good to me. And it's been a lot better than I thought it could ever be. And it seems like the trajectory keeps pointing up, but I appreciate that. Um, yeah, and I wish I could do more stuff for the quarter. I just think, it, I mean, it'll come in the fall. But um, yeah, what am I working on right now? Kind of, I'm kind of winding down for this month, which has been my biggest month. So I've written a lot already this month. Um, I guess the biggest story I've left this month, what I'm doing for SB Live, actually the Washington extension of it, um, kind of a bigger story about co-op and uh, combine athletic programs. So these smaller high schools out in kind of Eastern and I do there's, there's several different areas, but parts of Washington, this happens in other states too, but these programs like will join up so that they can still field teams. And so they'll have sometimes it'll be a few kids for one team or like a few sports, or maybe it'll be all the sports. And then at a certain point these schools maybe have combined, you know, four schools together where all will all right. relocate towards one building. And so the editor just wanted me to kinda of do a bigger piece about what these things are, how they work, because I think if you don't live in these communities, you just don't really understand it. And and in Oregon it's not really a thing but it, it, is, Yo, would, it is back Midwest where I'm from. So
0: I, I, I don't know if this is similar at all, but um, our biggest like high school rival in Alaska for baseball. Like if, if, if you wanted to play Legion, like we were both small enough towns that like those two high schools had to combine for like one Legion squad. And it was
1: always kind of a. Right. You start like getting, a, to, you get like four schools with dashes between them. So it's like blank, 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 blank or something. Yeah. yeah it can get yeah. pretty out of hand and kind of crazy, but it, it's it's worked and it seems like it'll continue to be a big part of kind of the the fabric of high school sports moving forward awesome man looking forward to that
0: um for i5 corridor subscribers i got i got an interesting one this week uh probably shoot for wednesday or thursday um kind of looking at how close portland once came to uh host or to basically being the home of the pittsburgh penguins um, you know, kind of went down the rabbit hole a bit with uh, with how hockey crazy Seattle's gotten uh, with the playoffs the last couple of weeks. And um, I, I did, you, did you read that? that cracking piece? Yeah, by by the goat, by Bishop. Yeah, great, great, great Bishop's awfully good. And it's nice, uh, it's nice that Sports Illustrated still has a couple of writers that makes me want to buy the magazine um, because. Yeah. Uh, I, I think Bishop's that good, and that used to be God. That was my favorite part of the week growing up was when SI would come in the in the mail. So, uh, going to have a little piece on Kraken and hockey. I th- I started kind of putting together uh, uh, looking back at as I talked earlier at, at when uh, the spring game became the spring game for the Ducks and, and kind of started blowing up there, but. Other than that, we'll have. I'll be at the spring game Saturday. You want to? You want to podcast again next week? You want to kind of like make this like a, a weekly thing here, Shane? Yeah, it's
1: been a while since we podcasted. Yeah, I, I feel
0: like this is a good time for it though, because like we both like NBA playoffs and we both like watching TV. Essentially, we like yeah. sitting on our asses and,
1: and yeah, here. It. Here's the deal. I'll, I'm happy to hop on a podcast next week. Just don't rely on me for anything surrounding Oregon spring game because I don't. I don't think that I will be in attendance. I might be in Eugene, but I, I think I've got. um I've got some other things I, I envision myself doing this weekend.
0: If, if it's like a beautifully, like Shane's getting faded Saturday in Eugene, like I, I want you to write a diary with one sentence every hour. Just kind of. Oh, just like a check in.
1: <laughs> 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 Maybe mark down the number of we'll, years the next week. We'll, we'll,
0: we'll put the whole thing behind the paywall. So, you know, like when you eventually do right. get hired by somebody, you know, they don't have to see that one. But.
1: Right, uh, right. Well, it kind of just shows another side of me, more versatile kind of. The better, right? Or the train wreck. Yeah, yeah. Uh
0: thanks for listening to the traffic report, everybody. Remember you can find artwork at i5corridor.com. Um I was gonna plug our Twitter handles, but screw Twitter. Um we'll see you next week.